Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. But we decided that was not enough. And now we're going to explore the television series that came out over the past few years on MCU characters. Issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy this continued exploration of the MCU universe. Today we take up WandaVision Episode 8, previously on. Because that's what heroes do, and this series on WandaVision is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Episode 8, previously on. In Salem, Massachusetts, in 1693, a coven of witches led by Harkness's mother, Evanora attempt to execute Harkness for practicing black magic, but she drains their life forces. In the present, Harkness demands to know how Maximoff is controlling Westview and forces Maximoff to relive key memories. Harkness learns that Maximoff has had magical abilities since she was a child, which were amplified by the Mind Stone, and she's always enjoyed sitcoms, lucky for us. After the blip, Maximoff visited Sword to recover Vision's body, but Hayward refused to let her bury her lover. Unable to feel any life in Vision, she drove to a lot in Westview where she and Vision had bought a house together before his death so they could live there together. In a fit of grief, she manifested the house on the lot and a new version of Vision and extended the hex across the entire town. Harkness concludes that Maximoff possesses a legendary form of magic called Chaos Magic and dubs her the Scarlet Witch in mid-scene credits scene. Hayward reactivates the Vision, a now all-white, reassembled body of the original Vision, and more with him later. And now I'm going to bring in Megan Doherty, and we're going to discuss this episode. And as promised, here is Megan Doherty. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. Megan, we are here for episode eight, the penultimate episode entitled Previously On, end quote. Lots of deliciousness in this episode. What are maybe some of the bigger themes you saw or struck you in your rewatching of this? This is the episode where you learn a lot after last episode's reveal after reveal. Now we're getting a little explanation, a little more context for everything that went on, starting with, I'm going to go out and say it, fan favorite, Agatha the Witch, and her origin story, presumably back in Salem, being held to account by her coven and her mother, defeating them soundly by means not quite explained. In in the last episode, we talked about not really understanding Agnes's slash Agatha's motivations. I don't think it's necessarily any clearer now that we've seen her go through all of this process. 
But after that little bit of backstory, we are back in her dungeon, her delightful dungeon, where she is starting to give Wanda some of the therapy she has badly needed for at least a decade. (laughs) And doing a little bit of that inner work, a little bit too late to actually be useful and for nefarious intent. But we got to see the different parts of Wanda's past, all these different traumas that she underwent, and how they all combined into, you know, the, the mental or psychotic break that resulted in her creating a hexagram in an alternate reality around the citizens of West. What were your takeaways? What are some of the things you noticed? The the origin scene of Salem 1639 was a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun because it was evil. It was the coven. It was her mother trying to destroy her. And her mother ain't a great character, or uh, ain't exactly a nice lady either. Oh, how but, do we know that? Because I think they were, she, was, she had broken rules. She had broken laws. She'd broken the coven's laws. Yeah. So what? I mean, she's a witch. She can do anything she wants. Ingrams have laws. <laughs> but the way she defeated them, though, was they were going to impose their mental will on her and destroy her as she's tied at the stake. And she overpowers all of them mentally. This mm-hmm. is not a physical challenge. This was mental. And it struck me that Agnes slash Agatha is an incredibly powerful being. I thought that power wasn't fully realized in the rest of this episode or the next because, spoiler alert, she loses. But I saw incredible power from her in the way she defeated her mother and the coven. I thought that was interesting because other than desire for power and to accumulate more of it and to take it from those who don't deserve it, she doesn't seem to have much motivation other than just the pure lust for power. And I think that's fun because you, you don't often, you do sometimes, you don't often get to see that as a, a woman character's motivation. It's just the blatant acquisition and wielding of power for power's sake. So I thought that was... And the next thing I had down was... At one point in Agatha's house in the dungeon. Oh, and let me talk about the dungeon. (laughs) Let's Um, talk about the dungeon. Let's talk about the dungeon. (laughs) I I keep saying in Agatha's house, but I think the dungeon is somewhere else. I think we have left Westview somehow. And it really didn't strike me until I rewatched it that we have entered another dimensional plane here. I'm not quite sure how we got there, but that was one more part of of Agatha's power that, that really impressed me. But at one point, Wanda responds essentially saying, leave my children alone when she, Agatha threatens the boys. And when she says it, she slips back into a Slovakian or Slovovian accent. It's, she's going back in time and she's going back to her roots all the while growing in power and in the range of what she can do, as we find out at the end of this episode, is the Scarlet Witch. So that part I thought was pretty cool, and it really struck me. There was one part that was perhaps the most geek scene in the entire nine-part series. It lasted somewhere between three and five seconds. And it's when she's looking for a DVD and she pulls a drawer open and it's all of the sitcoms we've been referencing throughout this entire series. And I just thought that I don't know what the name of that person is in the TV production set who oh, the prop master. That was just brilliant. And in, in researching for this podcast, I came across articles that analyzed just that three <laughs> to five seconds. And then they went through I love the and internet. they actually went to the episodes 
referenced on the DVD cover. So it was just fabulous. I love that scene where that happened. And that's where we got to meet young Wanda and Pietro and their parents. And you know, obviously what happened to them. So that the idea of using these television shows to practice their English and have the nice family time amidst a country, a city, a street descending into chaos. It was I thought that was really moving. And of course, then the bomb strikes, the missile hits. And that, I thought that was hard to watch. And just knowing that happens to families every day was that that hit me really hard. So I found the scene where she goes for the first time to Westview, really moving. And go ahead. I was going to, we can, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, but also the new version of the taking of Vision's body scene, putting forth the idea that she hadn't actually done it and that video original was a plant. What did you think of that? The first time I saw that scene, I thought it, it made sense to me. The first scene, not in this episode. When I found out it was a plant, though, I was confused. It certainly made me see those guys in a very different light, in almost an evil light. But it ties into something I'm going to flip to at the end of this episode, which is, I'll just say it now then, Wanda's powers are called chaos magic. And Agatha tells her, or names that. I just don't see this as magic because of the experimentation or laboratory testing mm. that was done on her in uh, back in uh, Slovak, uh, Slovenia and the work done by her on Hydra, particularly with the Mind Stone. I have always seen her as, I don't want to say mutant, but an enhanced human with enhanced powers and not really as a witch using magic and i'm gonna i'm gonna respond to that i think with a callback okay. to uh okay. we're, yeah we're going back to thor for this one because <laughs> you remember learning about asgard and how these beings were considered deities by the people of earth when really all they just had was much much fancier technology and i think they even said i can't remember in which movie but at a certain point sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic depending right. on the view and who you're saying it there's no meaningful difference between super advanced technology and magic. So I think on that basis, maybe it is a super advanced or super as of yet unexplained physical phenomena that has given Wanda her powers, but I don't think it's any less magic than what a human would have considered the Bifrost to be. And Asgardian to be. Oh. Well, let's get back to the house. <laughs> okay, back uh, to the going, house, because that is a scene. To, <laughs> okay, she goes to Westview. She doesn't go to a house. She goes to the location of a lot Indeed. that Vision has purchased where he hopes to build them, their family, a home, and they live together with the husband and white picket fence. And it's a vacant lot. And on the deed, the property deed, is a heart. And if you think back to episode one, when we saw the calendar, and they were trying to figure out what the heart was for, in episode eight, she's on her knees and she is overcome with the largest amount of grief I saw her with in this entire series. And at that point, she creates the construct of Westview. And she does that, and that's why it really made sense to me that you've been talking about grief, and you've been talking about working through grief and the arc or the cycle of it. And in that scene, for me, it encapsulated how did all this begin? The true origin of Westview 
And it was not unrecognized grief, but grief so deep that she could put no meaning on it other than Mm -hmm. to create something to hide. And so I found that perhaps as powerful a scene I have seen in any episode uh, to date, and that it really showed her journey through grief, how we started, where we are now, and where we may be going. But it was just, and what would you say this scene is? 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds? It's just not, yeah. And I just thought it was fabulous. I completely agree. And I love how it echoed just her kind of losing that willful control of her powers to the moment in Age of Ultron when Pietro was killed and she found out. And she also, it was the same thing. She fell to her knees and her power exploded out of her and, and killed all of those robots that, that were around. I thought it was interesting how they mirrored that, this kind of outpouring of power without a lot of, without the control. It was just her emotions were expressing themselves as her magic. And up until I had really watched this series and visited with you, I thought that was rage. I had never considered a response that we've seen in Wanda to grief, but it really drove home to me that you can have uncontrolled grief. It can direct your mind to different places it didn't expect to go and has never been. And so I thought that in that one scene, it encapsulated all of that for me. It's a hell of a drug. And she had she experienced it again and again throughout her life. Right. Every time she had something. It was taken away in the most brutal fashion. Her parents, maybe her, you can call it her childhood or her innocence when she was radicalized by Hydra. Her brother, then the team, then the world, then then Vision. And they wouldn't even give her a body to bury. Oh, right. I just, what about Vision in this episode? I can't, just could barely, was not paying a lot of attention to Vision in this one. Yeah, I was right. paying more attention to the development of White Vision. Because in yes. the final episode, which we'll be talking about soon, it gets really interesting again. But I just, I, yeah. Was not. It was all about so, all about Wanda for me <laughs> and Agnes. So I really like the way they set up White Vision for Episode Nine in Episode Eight because in Episode Eight I just thought he was a killing machine mm-hmm. and he was sent specifically to kill Wanda's Vision, and that may change in Episode Nine. I don't want to give too much away, but and you could easily see how Wanda's Vision could have been the white vision, but he wasn't, whether that was Tony Stark or or Jarvis, some combination of that. I really like the way they set up the white vision, and anytime I have dialogues in my head with myself all the time. Don't uh, we all? Just, be- just because I'm sober doesn't mean I'm well, and so I'd love to see that play out. I guess we should say inner monologue, the literary term. I think we're set up for a great final episode. Uh, any final thoughts, Megan? I guess just to note, because it wasn't this episode. I Again, I think it was just really interesting how this sort of unrepentant villain in the form, in the form of Agatha Agnes was really, I think, genuinely and materially helping Wanda start to process the things that had happened. And giving her the awareness and the development and the interior tools to be able to do what happens in the next episode. So for a bad guy, I think she might have done kind of a bad job of being bad in that sense. I think her motivations were terrible, but I think the outcome was ultimately quite useful. That's a really interesting point because we talked about in episode seven, Monica and her attempts to reach Wanda. And those attempts didn't work. And you're absolutely Absolutely right. Agnes slash Agatha keeps pushing 
Wanda, pushing her and pushing her. Her motives may be so that she finally, in full flower, reveals herself as the Scarlet Witch, and then perhaps Agatha can learn or steal her powers. So perhaps there is a a nefarious Mm -hmm. intent, but it may be that Wanda's grief was so deep that it took literally being pushed to the edge of losing everything from Agatha, Agnes slash Agatha, to to get her to work through that or process it. So maybe Agatha's necessary for Wanda's mental health. I think so. I think I've said since the first episode of this season that this poor woman needed like a decade of therapy immediately. And Agnes gave her a crash course. I don't think it would be recommended by anyone. What she did is going through, look at these events, face what happened, feel your feelings about them. From what I understand about current therapeutic process, that's not far off the ball in terms of what actually needs to happen. You wouldn't use Agnes' methods. It worked. Well, that would seem like a good place to end episode eight. So I am Tom Fox. I'm Megan Doherty, and we will see you next time for the very last episode of WandaVision. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as Megan and I had fun uh, re-watching WandaVision and bringing it to you. If you haven't re-watched WandaVision recently, I would urge you to do so. It's a, a great show, and it certainly uh, bears uh, re-watching as well. As this is a relatively new podcast, I would ask if you would tell your friends about it, if you're a lover of all things MCU, or pass it along to anyone else who you think might enjoy it. And really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It would greatly help get out the word about this passion project around the MCU because that's what heroes do as a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.